You are listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Hey, grab your Bibles and get ready to dive into the Word with me. If you're kind of a more of a digital kind of person, pull up the Vintage app. I hope that you've downloaded probably on your smartphone or your tablet, and we're going to walk through um, today something that God has just really put on my heart. Welcome to the eighth version of a series that we call Live Love. And if today, yeah, you can celebrate that. You can get a woo for that, yeah? If today is your first Sunday at our church, um, I believe you picked a really good time to come and visit and check us out. My name is Matt. I have the pleasure of being one of the pastors here, and we would love to get to know you. Um, so just help us to connect with you by taking advantage of that card that's in your seat. But today we begin a series. This church exists to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. Like, I mean, that's who we are. That's who we've always been and who we will always be. And this church was kind of born in my heart as I began to read through the book of Acts. And I began to see an expression of church in God's word that I'd never experienced myself. I grew up in the church. My dad pastored for 40 years. I grew up going to church every time the doors were open. And, and to be honest with you, what I experienced at church a lot made me not like church a whole lot. Can anybody relate? Amen? There's more of y'all than that. Y'all helped me preach this morning, okay, right? You've been to church, you thought, if this is what God's kingdom looks like, I don't want to go there because the people are mean and they look at me funny and they put these expectations and rules on me that I didn't think God put on me and I don't understand all this, so I'm not going back. Amen. And so, I, but I saw something different. As Jesus did his ministry on earth as you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see the, the, the life and teachings of Jesus, and you see everything he did, and you see everything he said, and you see him go to the cross for your sin and my sin. You see him raised from the dead, giving victory over death, coming out of the grave, walking as a conqueror before he ascends back to heaven. He looks at this ragtag group of people known as disciples, and he says, now I need you to do something before I leave. I need you to know what you're going to do next is you're going to go, and you're going to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I will be with you till the very end of the age. And he said the mission and vision of the church right in that moment. He said, go do what I've been doing for you. And then the uh, Pentecost comes, and the church is born, and then you begin to read passages like this in Acts chapter 2 as the church gets started. Every day, they continue to meet together in, their, in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And then the latter part of verse 47 has just what stuck in my mind as I prepared for this year's version of Live Love. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Like this was a movement where every day people were finding hope in Jesus. People weren't just showing up at church to check a box. People were actually understanding the powerful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a way it was impacting their lives. And it says that every single day people were getting saved. And church, that's what it's about. It's people finding hope in Jesus and we can do all kinds of cool teachings like we just did, and we can teach all kinds of cool things that the Bible teaches that will, that will help improve your quality of life and help you live under his truth. But ultimately, the church exists to be the vehicle that takes the message of Jesus to the world. 
I'm going to hope before the end of the message, y'all get a little more excited. You were really excited in worship, and then I brought up here and just brought the crowd down. I'm sorry. But Lord, and so that's kind of what we've been praying as we move towards live love, is that, Lord, add to our number daily. Add to our number daily. And now, we're, you know, we're not a church. We, we are a church about numbers, the right numbers. The right numbers. And the right numbers are people getting saved. People finding hope in Jesus. The number of people in this room isn't as significant as the number of people that are in the kingdom of heaven because they found the gospel in this room. Amen. So our staff has just been praying from, start from today to the last Sunday of this series. It will be 22 days. And our prayer is that we see the most fruitful season of, of, of our church in these 22 days to, to see the things that matter. People getting saved. 22 people saved. At least 22 people get saved. At least 22 people. You know why? 22 days. The Lord added to their number daily. If he did it then, he can do it now. Amen, somebody. Amen. He can do it now. But we also want to know, like... We want to see people go public with their faith. At least 22 people get baptized. So the very last uh, Sunday in this series, we're going to do baptism once again. Our prayer is at least 22 people go through those baptism waters. And that's not all because we don't, we don't believe in a skip and a dip theology around here. Some of y'all are like, what's that? We don't believe that you just get to skip down to the altar, pray one prayer, get yourself dipped in a baptism pool, and then your spiritual journey's over. We kind of believe that's just the beginning of a lifelong journey with Jesus, of him transforming you into who he's called you to be. And that's why this mission is inspiring people to live and love like Jesus because we believe that if we are going to follow Jesus, our lives should look like Jesus more every single day that we walk with him. Like if, you're, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, a Christian, or whatever label you use to identify the fact that you put your hope and trust in Jesus, we believe that every single day that you walk with Jesus, today your life should look a little bit more like the life of Christ than it did yesterday. That's what he's called us to do. You know that, right? Like you're... you're you, your spiritual heroes, I know some of us have awesome grandparents and parents and people that we looked up, up to spiritually, but God nowhere in Scripture calls you to be like anybody but Jesus. He is your target. And so don't be satisfied with being like good old gr great grandma Flo. Flo? I have no idea where that came from, Greg. Your life is to look like Jesus. You see places like this in, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, and it's littered all throughout the New Testament. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Whoever claims to be in him must live as Jesus did. And so what I want you to understand is, is the mission of this church has to become your mission. The mission of a church is only as good as the individuals in it who are willing to own it. Like it can't just be all right, the, the organization of our church or the, the, the mission of our pastors or the mission of our elders, of our leaders. Like your mission, if you're looking for your purpose, your purpose in life, if you know Jesus and walk with Jesus, your purpose is to inspire people to live in love like Jesus. That's your goal. That's the mission of your life. And the more and more people that are willing to own that and live that out, the bigger difference we can make in this community and this world. And so as we've prepared for this version of Live Love, I, can I just kind of be honest with you? Sometimes, like, I'm, I, I wrestle with God. Like, God, I, I, I preach this every year. Like, I, I feel may, maybe people are just kind of tired, tired of hearing it. Like, how do I? And I feel like this pressure to come up with, like, this new creative way of somehow saying the same thing. But there's only a certain way you can say the same thing over and over again before it's just the same thing. But as I began to think about it this year, 
Inspiring people to live and love like Jesus. Inspiring people to live and love like Jesus. I begin to wonder, do people even, do people still know what that means? Because do people really know how Jesus lived and loved? Because we can make that statement, but I feel like maybe the danger is everybody may have their own interpretation of what that looks like based on how they've determined who Jesus is and was. And what I've found is living and loving like Jesus and what people believe that to be is very different in 2017 than even it was in 2007. Because can, I really am concerned about the way the image and perception of Jesus is devolving in our culture. It's going to get uncomfortable here today. That's going to be all right with everybody. Because I think this is, what, this is what we want to do. We want to create this version. We want a version of Jesus, a cultural version that makes us comfortable. Not a biblical version who was controversial. And like we're trying to create this version of Jesus that we're comfortable with in the culture that we live in because the, the culture that we live in is a culture that's very, it's different than it was five years ago, ten years ago. Amen, everybody? Like it's different. And even the perception of what it means to know and fall in love with and follow Jesus has begun to shift in a direction that honestly, can I say, concerns me a little bit. Because I hear people talk about Jesus in ways that I don't see in the Bible. And the Jesus that we are trying to live and love like is not this cultural one that everybody is comfortable with and that is, isn't offensive and is politically correct and is comfortable. That's not the Jesus I see in the Gospels. So what I hope to do during this series is to go back to the Word of God. Because see, the, God gave us the picture of Jesus that he wanted to have, wanted us to have, when he gave us Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, when he gave us the entirety of Scripture. And so I'm not going to assume that when I say inspiring people to live and love like Jesus that we all really understand what that means because my fear is that we don't. Because it seems like these days, in a lot of places, Jesus can be real popular. And the image of Jesus I find is somewhere between like Jerry Garcia and Mr. Rogers. Like this super nice, soft-spoken, quiet, meek-mannered guy, or this hippie that's just free-flowing in love and peace. Can I, can I be honest with you? That's not the Jesus I see in God's Word. Some people are getting uncomfortable. And see, what I've really found is, is, is most when we limit our image of Jesus just to what he did and not what he said, we can land in a very inaccurate por portrait of who Jesus was. And it's like we, we love what Jesus did, but we tend to kind of want to ignore what Jesus said. Like we love get up and walk Jesus. Right? The one that comes to the man who's lame and hurting and he's struggling and Jesus says, take your mat, get up and walk. Like we love get up and walk, Jesus. Come on. We love feed the 5,000, take a little boy's lunch and turn it into a feast, Jesus. 
right? We love turning water into wine, Jesus. Some of y'all love him a little too much. <laughs> Just saying. But even some, we, we ignore turning the tables over in the temple, Jesus. And we don't give a whole lot of thought to what Jesus said. And see, there's a lot of people that just look at what he did sometimes and get this picture of, oh, Jesus was this free-flowing, everybody's okay, everybody's going to make it, just be a good person kind of guy. But when we really dig into the Gospels, we see, can I just submit to you that we see a little bit different portrait of who he was? Because not only was Jesus, uh, did, did amazing things, and not only was he a healer, Jesus was a preacher. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. See, Jesus was known as much for what he said as what he did. And Jesus didn't come and somehow lower the standard of the law. He came to fulfill the law. He didn't lower the standard of the law. He gave us the Holy Spirit to raise us up to God's standards so that we could be righteous in his sight. And when you start digging into what Jesus said, we want this really tolerant, politically correct, non-offensive kind of Jesus. When you start digging into what Jesus said, he really didn't care if people were offended. What Jesus did better than anybody that's ever walked this earth is Jesus spoke truth. Amen. And truth is not negotiable. Truth is not take it or leave it. Jesus', Jesus words weren't golden corral. Take what you want and leave what you don't. Jesus spoke truth. And if we're going to live and love like Jesus... Church, we're going to have to be the, have the courage to speak truth. And so I started just going back through and reading through the Gospels like crazy and, and, and looking. Like, look, if you've got one of those red letter Bibles through the Gospels, look how much of it is red letters, the, the, the words of Jesus. And look how much Jesus said. Jesus, really, I would submit to you, it wasn't what Jesus did that got him crucified. It's what he said. Because Jesus was dropping truth bombs all over the place on people. I mean, go read the Sermon on the Mount. We st it starts with, blessed are these, blessed are these. And so we like that. But then he starts talking about stuff like, hey, um, you've heard it said that if you sleep with somebody and it's not your spouse, that that's a bad thing. But I tell you that if you look at somebody lustfully and you even kind of go there in your mind, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus said a lot about money. And I know we don't like to be talking about church, money in church. But look all throughout the Gospels where Jesus talks about the power of money and the stronghold it has on people's lives. And he calls us to generosity to deal with it. Jesus even said in Matthew 10, and you've got to wrestle with this, that there will be people that hate you because you follow him. That says to me that we're going to have to live in a way sometimes that people are not going to be comfortable with and might be a little bit controversial Jesus spoke about accountability go to Matthew 18 15 where he talks about pointing out flaws Jesus also had a lot to say about a place called hell now some people think I didn't think this was that kind of church 
See, what I'm afraid of is we got so hellfile and brimstone for so long and we swung one way so long, but now we're trying to abandon it and we just want to tickle people's ears and not preach people truth. Can I preach truth in here, church? Because I'm gonna, okay? Jesus talks about hell. Jesus talks about a lot of things that were very, very controversial. And, and you can look at what Jesus did and think, oh, he was just this great, nice, passive, kind, compassionate teacher. And now Jesus was all those. He was kind, compassionate. He was, he was all those things. But Jesus spoke truth. And when you start to look at what he said, it begins to open up having to wrestle with who he really was. Because if you really look at what he said, you can come to one of really two conclusions. He was either unbelievably arrogant or had all authority from God. Like there's no, there's no room for anything else, church. Amen? Like if you look at really what he said, he was either unbelievably arrogant or he, was, he had all authority from God. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Mere Christianity. And if, you're, if, if you've never read that book, it is, it is, it is a powerful book. It's a power, powerful piece of Christian literature. And in, that, in, in Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says this, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said wouldn't be a great moral teacher. He'd be a lunatic. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God or else a madman or something worse. But don't let us come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He hasn't left that open to us. He didn't intend to. Y'all with me still? Say amen. amen. So if, you, if you're going to have, if you're going to, live in love like Jesus, you're going to have to be a truth speaker, and you're going to have to wrestle with some of the things that he said. And originally, I thought I would come in here and just kind of walk through all these things that Jesus said that I believe fly in the face of some cultural opinions. And I felt like the Lord led me in a little bit different or a lot different direction than that, because the, the most controversial things that Jesus said were on the topic of himself, see, when you dive into the scriptures, when you really look into the word of God, Jesus was very explicitly, crystally clear. Is crystally a word? It is now. Amen. He was, he was very clear about who he was and why he came. So much so, he doesn't leave any room for interpretation with us. And maybe that, I think that's what we need to just wrestle with today. He was really clear about why he came and who he was. And before you can settle the truth about what he, what he said, you have to tr settle the truth about who he was. Because when you settle who he was, it will change the way you live out what he said. And so every conversation that we see Jesus having, whether it be from a sermon or engaging one-on-one -on -one with people, he was very intentionally trying to communicate who he was. One of the most famous one of those conversations is with a guy named Nicodemus. It's found in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, you know verse 16 quite well probably. But he says this, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jew Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night 
and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are, go- you are doing if God were not with him. So he shows up to Jesus, and he thinks he knows what he knows. You notice what he said? He comes in and kind of said, like, uh, we, we kind of know who you are, Jesus. Rabbi, we, we know that, like, you couldn't be doing these things if God's authority wasn't on you. Like, we kind of, he has an idea of what Jesus is and who Jesus was. And Nicodemus finds himself in, in a tough position. I think a lot of people in our nice Bible Belt cultural self find us. We think we know Jesus when we really don't. You know the biggest problem with our culture? We got people who are lost and don't know it. Jesus, in verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly, it's like, Nick, I'm about to tell you some truth, okay? Very truly I tell you, listen to what he says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now that's an interesting response, isn't it? He says, we know, we know you're kind of, so there's something different about you, Jesus. And Jesus' response is, can I tell you something truthful? Can I speak some truth into your life? No one, no one will enter the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And now to you and I, that kind of seems like no big deal, right? We, we were on this side of the cross, so we kind of see these things a little bit different. But Nicodemus was the guy who had spent his entire life as a Pharisee learning the law. He would come to this place already thinking that he had earned his spot in the kingdom because he had all the knowledge. He had studied the word. He had done all the things that his culture had told him you needed to do in order to inherit the kingdom of God. And now he spent his whole life chasing after all these things. And, and Jesus looks at him says, hey, guess what? All that stuff you've done to this point, yeah, it ain't worth nothing. Because nobody, no matter how smart you are, no matter how much Bible you can quote, no matter how many times you've been to church, no matter how many suits you've worn on Sunday or how much candy's in your pocket, like the only way you're getting in the kingdom is if you're born again. The only way. And so Nicodemus in verse 4 says, how can someone be born again when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. That'd be a neat little trick. (laughs) Verse 5. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Like, you shouldn't be surprised. You've been reading all these Old Testament prophets that spoke about all this and said all this and been pointed to me. Verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone of the born of the Spirit. Like, basically, he's saying, like, the life that you're looking for, Nicodemus, all that stuff you've been chasing to find it, it's not there. All that knowledge that you've got, all that understanding that you have, guess what? It's not going to lead you to the place that you're desiring to be. The life you're looking for is not going to be found in all the things that you've been chasing. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. He says the only way you're going to find it is if you're born again. And then Nicodemus asked that question, verse 9, how? How can this be? See, now Nicodemus is a little curious. How can this be? And then you know the next verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So Nicodemus says, how? And you know what Jesus' answer is? Me. Me. 
You wonder how, Nicodemus? It's right here in front of you. For God so loved the world that he sent his son that whoever believes in him will have life. Do you see Jesus is trying to communicate something here? He's trying to let people know all throughout of what he said, the most important things that he said, all the things he said. He said, the life you're looking for, you're only going to find it in me. Let's keep reading. Go on to John chapter 6. See, Jesus didn't say this just one time in just one conversation, which, could, which maybe could leave it up for our interpretation. Well, Jesus only said that one time. John chapter 6. After this big feast of feeding the 5,000, verse 50, Jesus says, But here, here is the bread that comes from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. And I just picture Jesus saying, Here. Like, y'all, you just got your bellies full with a bunch of, like, earthly bread, but the bread that you're looking for that leads to the life you desire? <laughs> right here. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? See, again, we're on this side of the cross. We start hearing this, oh, it's communion, a little wafer, a cracker, and some juice. And see, they're hearing this, like Jesus said, you want that, you, the life you're looking for, the fulfillment that you're looking for, the significance that you're looking for, the eternity that you're looking for, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Uh-uh. It's weird. Jesus, you had me at like the water and the wine. That was awesome. I was there. We parted good that night. But this whole eating your flesh and drinking your blood, you're losing me. Verse 53, Jesus said to them, very truly, very, once again, there's that phrase, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood. Now we all know the imagery that Jesus is talking about here because we're on this side of the cross. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Once again, Jesus said that life that you're looking for, that full life you're looking for, that eternal life you desire, it's right here. And it's only here. John chapter 8, verse 21. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you're from below, I'm from above. And you're of this world, and I'm not. Verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. It, Jesus is pretty clear. Come on, somebody. Like he's saying very clearly, like, it's me and it's me alone. And I love you. 
and I want to be with you, and I want you to have a relationship with my Father, and I want you to experience the life that I can offer you. But what you're going to have to understand is you cannot find it in any other place but me. And I'm trying and trying and trying and trying to tell you this, but somehow it just is not sinking in. Because look what he says in verse 24. Again, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Then verse 25, who are you? I think Jesus is like face palming, like really. And look what Jesus says. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. <laughs> I just like I like I don't know how to be any clearer. I know y'all want to muddy it up. And I know you want to think that all roads lead to the same destination. And I know you want to think, well, if you're just a good person and maybe you believe in God a little bit, that you can experience all this. But Jesus is like, I'm sorry, it's it's not that way. And I know I say that in a culture that does not like that. But I love you too much to tell you anything different. John chapter 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You, and then he says, you know the way. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Now, he's talking to the disciples now who've heard this message over and over again. They've been to every live love ever preached. <laughs> and like, he's like, all right, now, you know the way. I bet you've heard, you've been here when I've been preaching all these sermons. You've watched me have all these conversations. You know the way. And oh, there's our boy Thomas in verse five. Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? See, I'm sitting here like, God, I don't need to preach this sermon again. These people have sat through all this. It just, but maybe there's somebody in the room that needs, needs to be reminded. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus, the, the main message he had, the most consistent thing that he said all throughout scripture was that life that you're looking for, I have a formula for it. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And how do you get that life? God, Jesus is, through Jesus is saying, here's the formula for a full life. Jesus plus nothing equals life. There it is. If you want to know how the full abundant life that you were created to have, if you want to know how to exist in relationship with God, there's the formula right there. Jesus plus nothing else. And I know we live in a culture that doesn't like that. We, like, we love options. We are optioned to death. You can't even decide what shoes you're going to wear in the morning because you got too many. Just me. Jesus plus nothing equals life. Like Jesus didn't say he was one of many ways. Jesus didn't say just kind of do some of the things that I've done and feel good about yourself and you'll be fine. Jesus said the only way to have life is through me. 
See, there's another equation. Anything minus Jesus will always equal death. You can't have enough money. You can't have enough drugs. You can't have enough success. Nothing, anything else minus Jesus always equal death. And now, we don't like that because it seems really exclusive. And can I say to you that it's an exclusive path with an all-inclusive invitation. It is an exclusive path with an all-inclusive invitation. Did you notice throughout all those scriptures I was reading, every time it said, but if anyone, everyone, the entire world, like he's saying like, yeah, I'm the way and I'm opening that way to every single person on the planet who will believe in me. Not just the Jew or the Gentile, not just the rich or the poor, not just the black or the white, not just this group or that group, but like anybody who will put their faith and hope and trust in me, I will come and live with them. I will stay in them. I will take up residence in their heart and allow them to experience life like they've always desired on this planet in relationship with the one who created them and allow them to experience something beyond this life that is beyond your imagination. See, that's the good news about following Jesus, and we've messed it up along the way. It's not just about being able to die a better death. It's an invitation to live a better life while we're still here. And so I want to extend that invitation to you today. That life you're looking for, Jesus. He's the way. He's not a way or one of many ways. He is the way, the only way. The only way you're ever going to feel whole. The only way you're ever going to feel complete. The only way you're ever going to feel satisfied is through Jesus. There's not a relationship outside of the one with him that's going to give you that. There's not a promotion. There's not another car. There's not a better clothes. There's no external modification can, can fix what's broken internally inside of you without Jesus. And so I want to extend that invitation to you today. See, Jesus came to this planet because your heavenly father who created you loved you so much he didn't want your sin to keep you separate from him and he knew you couldn't fix it so he decided to fix it for you and God in flesh wrapped in the form of a man came to this planet born of a virgin walked this earth for around 33 years went to a cross to take your sin debt and be your sacrifice and in that moment, he took the, your sin and your shame and he bore it in his own bones and he died for you. And three days later, he had victory over sin's greatest penalty, death, when he rose out of the grave. And now he's ascended to the Father where he's preparing a place for you to live eternally when you leave this world. The one and only way. And the Bible says the way we accept that invitation is to believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you don't have to earn it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Who needs 
to accept that invitation today. If you're here today and you're looking for something to fulfill you other than Jesus, it is a tiring, endless cycle of frustration. And Jesus said it would be. Constantly, repeatedly, explicitly, he said, that life you're looking for, that life you're chasing, where do you find it? Me. How do you get it? You believe in me. You accept me. And if you're here today and you've never done that, you can do it right now. I want to encourage you to do it right now. You don't have to pray some specific rehearsed prayer. You don't have to repeat after me. All you have to do is believe in your heart and confess, Jesus, I know you came for me. I know you died for me. I know you're the only way that I'm ever going to have the life I'm looking for. And I put my faith and hope and trust in you. If you've never done that, will you just do that right now where you're sitting? You don't have to come down here. You don't have to stand up. Just make that decision. But I want to pray for you if you're making that decision today. If you're unsure, you don't have to leave unsure today. If you're making that decision, if you're moving in that direction today, would you do me a favor? Would you just put a hand up and lift it really, really high because I want to pray for you. Amen. Leave it up. Leave it up. Leave it up. Leave them up. Leave them up. Amen. Leave them up. I want to see them. I want to pray for you. Amen. 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 You can put them down. Father, I thank you for every person in this room, the people that walked in this room in relationship with you who already made this decision, who's somewhere along the way, they've heard this message, this beautiful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they responded, and they surrendered, and they allowed you to enter into their lives. And God, I pray for those people that maybe have made that decision a long time ago, and even today they're feeling like, they don't have that life, God. I pray that they, you'd help them to see that they just need to lean into you deeper. They need to trust you more. They need to stick with you and stay in your word and allow you to speak to them in new and fresh ways. And God, for all the hands that just went up across this room of people beginning that new journey with you today, God, I pray that you would guard their hearts and minds, that the enemy's gonna seek to tell them that this isn't real and this doesn't matter and they don't feel the right things. And God, I pray that you would just protect their hearts and minds to know that their eternity has now been put in your hands. And no matter how they feel, no matter what their circumstances are, that they trust you, Lord. And God, today we are so grateful that we have this opportunity to choose you and to have life and to experience salvation and to look forward to your hope that you sent Jesus to this planet to die for us, God, not out of obligation or because you had to, but because of your great love for us, Lord, that it is love that caused you to step out of heaven and step into earth and go to a cross and have victory over our sin, Lord. And so today we celebrate the new life that exists in this room and we celebrate your love and we appreciate everything that you've done for us by giving our lives back to you. And so today, God, we move towards you in relationship and we trust you and we accept you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.